All right. I do believe we are live. Welcome, everybody, to another amazing episode of the Break the Rules live stream coming at you all the way live. I am your host, Lev Polyakov, at LevPo on Twitter. Joining us, joining us is the great uh, Dr. Jekyll slash Mr. Sam Hyde, Giovanni Panacchietti. We got Alex Kishuda. Right. You know what I'm talking about, Gio. We are live. And <laughs> we have a lot of wonderful people here. And we are going to be talking about the uh, critical... The hold on. Live. Something's wrong with my thing. Oh, uh, that's it. Hold on Twitter. one second. Critical groomer theory. There we go. Yes, critical one. groomer theory. We are going to be talking about what is going on with the schools, with the grooming, whether or not this is something that's blown out of proportion, whether the Republican answer to what's going on here is a justified one, whether it makes sense in terms of the overall strategy to win votes, as well as what effect it has on the kids who are currently going to school. And I think we all want our kids to be smarter and not be subjected to useless things, uh, not to mention things that would be incredibly dangerous for their development. And the reason why we have these two uh, wonderful people together, uh, Nate Hotchman from uh, National Review and the wonderful, beautiful mother, Alex Kishuda, new mother. So this is a subject that I think is going to be very appropriate towards what's going to be happening for your kids in the future. So anyway, I want to start she, this off. Yes. Oh, and she also did this uh, conference. Was it wasn't recent though? It was. Uh, was it recent? You you spoke somewhere. Um, I think I watched a bit of it. Fairly <clears throat> recent. Um, two weeks ago, something like that. Nice. Mm -hmm. What is the conference about? It was the National Conservatism Conference in Brussels. Uh, don't, don't ask me how like, I got to speak at that conference. Peter Thiel money. That's how she got to speak. Yeah. There we Thiel go. Works. Yes. <laughs> but uh, but anyways, I want to get to the uh, meat of the story first, which is a uh, Twitter post that Nate made. Uh, Nate made that uh, Nate made talking about how you think. Well, it that, did make uh, him. Like you know when the feds, uh, the Sopranos, they <laughs> say, "Oh, they fucking made me." <laughs> Yeah, so Dave, why don't you tell the good people in the audience about this, and also for all the new people who are here, be sure to subscribe, like, liking is incredibly important for the future of this stream because it helps the algorithm out, as well as the subscribing and all that good stuff. Yeah, I'm just pulling up a tweet now, so I think um, for the very few people uh, on the internet who haven't seen it, uh, I tweeted, I guess it's uh, April 5th, so five days ago. Um, I tweeted, broadly speaking, left-wing teachers aren't grooming kids. Gender ideology in schools isn't the same thing as pedophilia. The mainstream of these ideas on the right is a great way to lose an otherwise very winnable culture war issue. It makes us sound like the crazy ones. Um, now, this entire debate like for the last five days has honestly been kind of exhausting because it feels, at this point, like a distraction. Like It's beside the point from the actual content of what's in schools, which I'm, you know, I've spent, I think my record sort of stands up to anyone in terms of the fact that I've spent almost at the exclusion of anything else the last few months, at least covering the fight over gender ideology in schools. Um, and it's, you know, one of the major issues for me, I graduated college, uh, in May, 2021. So almost a year ago, um, and the education culture war fights are, you know, pretty personal for me because I went to a very left-wing college campus. I went to a very left-wing high school. I know how corrosive this stuff is and I desperately want the right to win. Um, the problem is, you know, like the, the, there are, there are ways to win and there are ways to lose. Um, and I think, you know, the debate over terminology 
when it becomes the main thing that we're talking about, it is a distraction from actually like fighting this stuff. And insofar as my tweet has contributed to that, I, I regret it. But I don't regret what I actually said in the tweet, um, although I wasn't anticipating the response, which was just that I think this is this this term is sort of a political own goal. It's unnecessary. And I think the better way to win this is to just show Americans what's actually happening in their schools and let the left you know, fall on their own, own sword defending it rather than sort of unnecessarily handing them a tool. So again, like what, what I thought I was doing in this you know, tweet that I composed in 15 seconds was making a relatively narrow rhetorical strategic point that this is not the word we should be using. It's unnecessary. I don't know why we have to use it. Um, but the response obviously became this like 48 hour Twitter debate where it, it became a referendum, not just on the use of the word, but on like how to sort of conduct strategy in the culture war in general. And when that happened, we sort of lost ourselves because we're losing sight of the real issue, which is the fact that we're firing within the trenches when the enemy is on the other side. But look, I mean, even though I wasn't re expecting a response to this tweet, I, I understand that like I was criticizing our own side too. So I probably contributed to that. But you have to talk about sort of political and rhetorical strategy at some point. To me, again, this seems like this word is a distraction and we don't have to use it. I don't think it's sort of ordained that this is the word we have to use in these culture war fights. You can just say like what Ron DeSantis has been saying, which is that this is sexualizing our kids. It's creepy. It's gross. Get it out of our schools. We're the side that's going to stop it. The left isn't. Um, and, and to me, that's, that's the way to win. I think you know the content in schools is disturbing enough as it is that you don't have to add this sort of editorializing on top. Um, but like that, again, is sort of secondary to actually fighting the fight. Um, so we should have a debate internally, I think, about sort of rhetorical strategy, but it shouldn't become the all-consuming thing that it became over the last five days. Um, I mean, so I, I don't, I mean, in my understanding of the word groomer, which it sounds like other people disagree with me on it, it means someone actively sort of sexualizing a kid with the intent of having sex with them, right? Like it is specific to sort of pedophilia. Um, now it sounds like other people have a much broader definition of the term, but the debate over whether or not it is grooming, again, is sort of secondary to whether or not that's the word that we should be using in this fight. Um, because it's just undeniable that for a lot of Americans, they have the same understanding of the term that I do. And they would, might look at what's happening in our schools and think that's creepy and gross and evil and we shouldn't be teaching it to kids, but they could get turned off by the fact that the right is accusing everyone of what they think is, is pedophilia. Um, so I, I don't think from my definition of the term that it is the accurate term necessarily, but I almost think that's not as important as just figuring out what we should be saying to win the fight. Interesting. And also, I was told that my mic is very low. Thank you very much for pointing that out. It is back. I don't know what is going on today with Restream and this. Anyway, I want to get to Alex Kashuda now. Alex, do you agree with Nate on this term being uh, misapplied and not really resulting? Well, we'll get to the strategy point later on. But first, would you agree that the term is misapplied or not? Um... In my view, I think the term is, is, a, is a good fit uh, in the sense of, um, I mean, the, I mean, grooming in the sense of kind of a, a preparation for, um, you know, sexual encounters that are not necessarily um, uh, organic. Um, that would probably apply to, to culture in general, to social media, to there's, you know, the undercurrent that actually fuels this is very broad. Um, the problem in schools is that this is kind of the institutional layer that props up everything else and also um, that has the power to detach the child from 
from the parents, uh, sometimes even without, you know, without their accord, without even, you know, letting them know what's actually going on. Um, and in, in many ways, it's it's actually worse than, than sexual grooming, where it's like, okay, yeah, the, the, the end result is potentially rape. In this case, it's mutilation. It's permanent mutilation. It's, you know, uh, genitalia being removed. It's, it's, you know, mastectomies. It's, you know, the fact that um, you know, we're, we're quarreling over peanuts again on the right uh, and not, you know, attacking this at the root at, you know, like at an ontological level that this is that this is absolutely, um, you know, these, these are categories that have been smuggled in in the last, you know, five years. This is essentially something that wasn't even on the table until recently. And now we're, we're de debating, you know, what age people should have mastectomies. I mean, this is a huge loss already. Uh, and I think, you know, whatever um, rhetorical weapons we can we can bring to um, to make the essentially the abomination of what's going on clear and vivid and and sense sensible to the common man, I think should be used. And to be honest, groomer is a very superficial type of weapon. It's, uh, it's yeah. the least we could do. But as far as groomer goes, as far as that term itself is utilized here for the semantic Nazis, as it were, does it actually mean what it set out to mean? Is the term more fluid? Is it something I, that applies just to per, uh, people who are sexually interested or could it apply to, let's say, useful idiots who end up in, an, in you know, inevitably creating the situation that we're in today with the kids? Or is of that course, I mean... Yeah, this is like high status ideology, you know, the teachers that, that buy into this, you know, I, I don't think they're actually trying to have sex with the children in a direct way. I agree with Nate on that. Uh, but they are, you know, um, they're applying for status at a, in, at a kind of a ideological institution where this stuff, you know, this it's baked into the pie. Like it's not it's not secondary, like the, the liberation of the autonomous individual and children, it's, it's, in, the, it's in the main document of what's, of what's been promoted here. So uh, the fact that they don't directly want to, um, you know, sexually assault children doesn't mean that they're not, you know, sensitivizing them or opening them up to, to whatever's coming down the pipe. And it's mm. coming. I mean, like I said, you know, this debate wasn't even imaginable even a few years ago, and now we're having it. And who knows what type of, you know, like Moloch tier shit's going to come down mm. the pipe in three years. Well, like they say, mo, Moloch, Mo problems. Gio, I, I, <laughs> I know you want to reply there, but I have one last question for Nate here uh, before Nate's reply as well. So, Nate, would you then agree with uh, what Alex is talking about as far as this uh, term being applied towards people who, even though they themselves don't want to initiate anything sexually, they open up the floodgates with the kind of indoctrination, let's say, that the students are encountering, at which point they're inevitably grooming them as a result. Well, I, I agree wholeheartedly with Alex's um, institutional analysis of how this ideology plays out in our institutions and how uh, corrosive it is. So it might be disappointing to the viewers. We, we actually might not disagree on as much beyond the sort of superficial use of the term. Um, to me though, what Alex is saying about the sort of chemical castration of children and the you know brainwashing of them to basically be confused about their own gender, which as we know, you know has long-term emotional and uh, sort of, uh, uh, well, certainly physical and emotional and mental effects as well as being a larger political problem. Um, that to me is, is the line that that you should be using, right? The gray area about whether or not it's grooming to me is just an indication of how pointless the term is because you're giving the left a weapon where they can say, oh, they're saying it's grooming, 
but it's not because you can point to this and this evidence and it's not pedophilia, et cetera. Like if you just said it's chemical castration of children or it's actually encouraging kids to go, get to a point where they will be interested in chemical castration and permanent life altering puberty blocking drugs, like what is left going to say to that? It's much less convincing if they're denying that because we know it's happening and but it's that's, obvious. But that's not the only thing, though. So, for example, there was this uh, wonderful uh, lecture series by James Lindsay, who I know Gio has a bit of a, 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 bit well, of a bone Gio to pick and, with. And Alex, I mean. Yes, uh, yeah. yes, and eventually no, I hope James that... James Lindsay's a coward for not wanting to debate well, Alex Kishuda. Let's see, uh, let's see if that changes soon. But anyway, in uh, one of his episodes about the whole grooming situation, he uh, talked about this article by Hannah Dyer, called Queer Futurity and Childhood Innocence Beyond the Injury of Development. And so this is from what I'm led to understand about early childhood development. And one of the quotes for it, it goes, uh, quote, like Ruffalo, uh, Mark Ruffalo? No. Like Ruffalo, I am not only concerned about the erasure of queer sexualities in settings of childhood education, but also extend this line of inquiry to assert that queer theory can more expansively help to analyze how normativity is reproduced in relation to theories of childhood. So here they're not only talking about uh, being yeah. accepting of whatever uh, people want to, you know, end up uh, being in, but talking about how the whole, uh, you know, it gets better dialogue that was going on in, I think, 2010, how that is actually detrimental to their revolutionary goals because it results in there being more of a normalization of different decisions that people end up uh, making, you know, when they're adults, you know, gay marriage and so on, where in a way they don't want this normalization to exist. They always right. want it to be this revolutionary thing. And it does not just include, you know, chemical castration. It also includes, you know, sexuality, it includes actual sex that they're talking about here, the disillusionment between adult and child. This is a very right. important point that they're making. Yeah. So in that sense, why wouldn't groomer be appropriate? So there, there's an important point there, Lev, which is that uh, this is perhaps the darkest element of sort of progressive sexual and gender ideology is if your sole goal is destigmatization of sexual mores and norms, eventually you're going to arrive at the final and most concrete sexual stigma, which is the separation between children and adults, right? So like the slippery soap argument, I think there is something to that we have seen at the furthest fringes of progressive sexual uh, ideology. And you can see this in some of the sort of roots of gender ideology itself uh, in a, a, an active hostility to the, the stigma between sort of childhood sexuality and adult sexuality. That's true. Um, does that mean that everyone who believes in this is a groomer or that trying to say that they are is an effective political approach? I don't think so. Um, I think it's like pointing that out is a almost a more esoteric debate. That doesn't mean it doesn't have real world implications when that stigma actually does become something that progressives are hostile to. But it's just true that that's not actually what the majority of progressives who are saying this stuff are. Uh, and I think that, again, just focusing on the material reality of what's actually happening in our schools, which is that teachers are encouraging kids to be confused about their gender, to be confused about their sexuality, and to make uh, ultimately, you know, harmful life altering choices that are going to harm mm. them in the long term is the is the better thing to focus on. Well, another thing, and I want to get back to Alex and Gio as well. But another thing that uh, was uh, pointed out by James Lindsay is that not all priests are theologians where you have a certain hierarchy of people who understand what it is that they're doing. And so for the people who don't know what exactly is behind a lot of these things, but are perpetuate 
perpetuating them anyway why wouldn't again groomer apply to them if this is the result so again i'm not talking about people who are actually being sexually active or have this in mind as a goal but if the end result of it is what we see over here why wouldn't groomer be appropriate why wouldn't groomer be appropriate if it's the end result yes well because again you know to me and to a lot of people uh grooming suggests an active effort on the behalf of an individual adult to have sex with a child, right? That's, that's, what it, that's what it means colloquially. Now, there are debates, there were a lot of debates sort of sparked about this, about like, well, because it's a slippery slope and, you know, this eventually might end up in pedophilia, that could count as grooming because there might be individual instances of teachers, you know, actually being pedophiles, right? That, that counts as grooming. But the fact of the matter is, by that definition, which I think is how a lot of people understand the term and how I've colloquially heard it used, uh, just like the end sort of result, the slippery slope argument doesn't classify as grooming. Um, but again, like I think the, the debate over whether it does is almost secondary to whether or not this is effective. The fact that we're having to have this debate suggests that it's ineffective to me, right? Mm. Versus just focusing on what like 80 or 90% of Americans think is bad, which is just what's actually happening in our schools. Well, then before, be before I get to Alex and Gio, then what would you say is the reason why it's ineffective? What would you see as being the negative repercussions of the word groomer being used for this? Well, because I think the majority of Americans are like reasonable, sensible people. So they object to what's happening in our schools, but they also probably object to the accusation that teachers are pedophiles. Um, if that is their understanding of the term, because they know teachers and they know while they might object to the content they're teaching their kids, that sounds crazy to people. Uh, and it, it, you know, it's, it's, again, it's a way to lose where you could just point out the content. So again, the people who win the culture wars generally, and this is what we've seen for decades, is the side that positions itself as the normal one. So the left was very effective at making the right look like sort of outdated, antiquated bigots in the same sex marriage debate. And as a result, they won overwhelmingly. Um, we have this golden, golden opportunity for the first time, certainly in my lifetime, to actually win a culture war fight because the left is crazy. Progressive sexual and gender ideology is insane. And it's even more insane when it's being taught to little kids. I don't want to see us mess that up, and I don't think we have to mess that up. Um, it's really important. It's really important to me. Um, but it's like the, the groomer term, again, because it is this gray area, because it's ambiguous, because you end up getting bogged down in these rhetorical debates about whether or not this counts as grooming or not, it distracts from the, the problem at hand. Like we should be going on the offense by just saying, this is creepy, this is gross, this is bad, it shouldn't be taught to kids, rather than giving them a weapon by using this ambiguous term, which ends up uh, hurting the momentum of what I think mm. is uh, a noble cause. So I'm going to go to Alex, but just to uh, digest what you uh, said, the main problem here is, it's that you don't want families who otherwise would know better about certain teachers that these teachers they know have no desire towards their kids. You don't want those parents to all of a sudden get turned off from even participating in lashing out against this because they say, well, Mr. Johnson and Mrs. Smith, I've known them all, the, all my lives. You know, they are no groomers. So what you're saying is that this would create some kind of attention there and that's the main reason right right yeah it's, it's allowing the fence the left to go on the offense rather than maintaining our position as the side that's going on the offense by sort of i think using this term that a lot of people would go you know wait what that's not that wasn't my objection to this right my objection to this wasn't pedophilia it was that it's creepy and i don't want to talk to my kids we don't have to do that all right well alex uh, what do you think and then geo 
Well, you know, looking at past uh, victories in the culture wars and saying, you know, looking at strategy and then saying, okay, uh, you know, we, we should adopt the strategy or the other one, like, when has the right won any of those battles? I mean, I think it's, it's hard to look at strategy and say, you know, or also looking at, you know, gay marriage. I mean, gay marriage is, is hardly necessarily a, a culture war win, at least, you know, legally it wasn't in the beginning. It was ran yeah. through like anything on, on the left. Uh, and then, you know, the, the culture, um, you know, pumped it through as well. Like it's, it's not, it wasn't really a war. It was a aligned- It was more than anything. Yeah, it was it was pushed through, you know, with with no no consent, which is which is what is happening right now as well. Uh, and it was pushed through with extremely emotional language, with extremely powerful uh, word games, uh, which you know the right doesn't really want to participate in because it wants to be the reasonable side. Well, the right was the reasonable side this whole time, and it hasn't really worked, has it? I mean, you know, looking at the past and then you know deciding what the good strategy would be for the right. I mean. Come on, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. we, we did not play on the same playing field. You know, this is kind of like, uh, you know, using don't tread on me as an aggressive strategy. Like we're gonna tread, we've been treading and we're gonna tread. Well, is this also, that, uh, yeah, go on Gio. No, no, you go love then, or, I have a longer. Is it, yes, uh, out of curiosity, is this also why, for example, people like Chris Rufo are looked at as being like a, a Leninist strategist in the sense that... Uh, right Gramscians, as Angela Nagel said, right Gramscians? Well, yeah, just to just interject, like, I, I love Chris, you know, and I think what he's doing is amazing, right? But it's, again, it's like, to me, the terms like chemical castration of children, you know, <laughs> that's pretty attention-grabbing to me, right? Like that's not, I'm not saying mm, that we shouldn't it, go it, all in and we it shouldn't is. use strong No, language. but that's the beauty it, of it though. That's, yeah, but like, it, that's my point, right? But No, like, it, it is, but at the same time, it's so gross that it's not as catchy. In a way, groomer, it rolls off your tongue more than ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. You know, that's too many syllables if you're talking about, you know, the chemical castration. Yeah, and the thing is, a lot of these kids don't end up being chemically castrated, but most of them end up being groomed into all sorts of, you know, various, um, you know, sub-ideological factions, you know, being asexual, bisexual, you know, pronouns, all sorts of things, you know, going on hormones, going off hormones. There's like many layers up to the point where people actually chop your genitals off. Uh, and, you know, not everyone's going to make it there. So it's not very, you know, rhetorically powerful to say, oh, you know, a fraction of a percentage points end up cutting their breasts off. Well, you know, the rest of them aren't, you know, those kids were probably trans and then just waiting in the in the wings to be set free by the culture. Uh, but the fact that, you know, a, a lot of these children are funneled into all sorts of, you know, you know, Moloch style subgroupings uh, is is relevant. And groomer, I have I have to say, encompasses them all. I think that um, there, there's a few points here that I'm, I'm mulling over. Uh, and you know, one of those moments where you sort of see something that uh, usually is repellent because you know how like the YouTube and the Twitter algorithm sort of throws something your way. I was thrown this video about uh, the patriarchal family, blah, 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 by this hideous bread tuber, by the way. And it's all about this sort of, um, you know, the usual like sociology nonsense. But in it, it posits the sort of uh, family structure is uh, going to be alternatively worked to encompass more of a bi POC, uh, you know, you get to, and a lot of like uh, in, in within queer theory, there's this big subsection of um, choosing your own family sort of deal. And that it takes a village, blah, 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 you know, but that's important for what's happening. Now, James Lindsay, I, I watched a, a bit of the series 
And I usually disagree with him. In fact, I disagree with him vehemently that all of this is uh, postmodernism or postmodern Marxism. Or well, it's, I mean, it definitely does have elements of Marxism. But when it comes to postmodernism, I think that a lot of the interpreters of uh, thinkers like Michel Foucault and Lyotard, and uh, even um, the sort of the wave in the '80s of queer theory, like Pat Califia. Yeah. Uh, the well, other... Foucault certainly took advantage of it, though, as far as his yeah, own proclivities. Well, Foucault, yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> even. I mean, even even the pedo stuff is sort of like uh, was secondhand account. But I mean, he definitely did a lot of degenerate things in San Francisco. But um, if you look at the 80s specifically with um, Angela Davis, Pat Califia, like, uh, you know, Derek Jensen had a famous video, uh, uh, Queer Theory Bingo, I think it was called. Uh, and when you look at it, those were the real like foundational texts. But this tradition, I want to say, is older. And I think James Lindsay, he points to it as well is that it comes from the uh, what Wilhelm Reich called Freudo-Marxism, meaning that the sort of viewing um, Marxist theory of, uh, you know, economic production and so forth, now that you have the libidinal economy, you have the regulation of the libido, and within, you know, what they would call capitalist social fascist society, uh, the libido is restricted and there has to be certain um, barriers between the sort of future labor force of children and so forth, and that the parents reign supreme, especially the father. So in order to sort of create fissures within that structure, you have to break down the um, the sort of structure of this libidinal regulation, primarily through the vectors of children who they view as almost this like Rousseauian noble savage idea of the pure spirit, right? Like even Picasso as much as I love Picasso's later work, uh, he did this nonsense about this free spirit of the child, blah, blah, blah. So they have to do and, this. And he had, he had sex with kids. So. Oh, yeah. That, well, yeah, 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 unfortunately. But um, <laughs> mm. no, I mean. Uh, I but, but they think... want to get rid of childhood innocence as well. So it's an interesting oh, no, dynamic. But childhood innocence is, is, is from this tradition of uh, primarily Freudian psychoanalysis going up to Lacan, although Lacan had some sticking points there where the sort of child is a sexual being that is expressive and so forth. And therefore there, the barriers between child and parent and child and authority figure is arbitrary. And like James Lindsay goes through all of this, how the authority figure is viewed as an equal. I mean, sorry, the child is viewed as an equal to the authority figure. And um, I was thinking about this because I'm writing this article responding to the latest Ayala atrocities that she posted online. Our good friend Ayala, go to that stream, by the way. It's a nice where stream. Where I debate her, yeah. Um, and I I kept thinking of what Alex talks about in her uh, in subversive podcast. She talked about this with ZHP, um, who is also the chat boiler. Good yeah, friends, shout out camp. to ZHP. Um, where, you, where Alex talks about, uh, you talk about how there really is no argument or there's no salient counterpoint to saying within a extremist, um, extremely um, modern liberal framework to violate the sort of quote-unquote autonomy of children when it comes specifically to sexuality, because then that would put into question all other claims about this sort of rootless autonomy that people possess as quote-unquote sexual or libidinal beings. So we have in this apparatus where, uh, apparatus of discourse, where you really cannot question in any capacity the quote-unquote autonomy of children, right? So this is how it works. But when it comes to the groomer thing, uh, I have two more points. One, uh, one is that 
uh, when it comes specifically to the groomer discourse, it's not that I think what the right means is that it's not that every child, like, sorry, every teacher of children, like is a secret, you know, is a secret cheese pizza is that, you know, I mean, some of them are obviously, but it's more of like the discourse around pedagogy itself leads towards this sort of total debasement of uh, sexuality from a place of a, let's call it a place of sort of metaphysical significance, that sexuality is something that is deep within the heart of man and that it is something that cannot be uh, violated because when you sort of screw with the expressions of sexuality that are highly regulated by tradition and society, then you have this very distorted picture of the self. And this is why I led this point with the, the dissolution of the family. Because of um, they point to example, uh, for example, they point to how um, in uh, African-American communities in America, how they're almost forced because of carceralization and because of, you know, uh, the dissolution of the family. They're forced to have these sort of open arrangements. And a lot of them do lead to abuse. You know, that, that hideous school on Twitter, that Jake Flores guy, he had this tweet about, well, you know, actually, uh, you know, conservatives, they want to, you know, abuse kids in the home and family, you know, pedophilia, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, statistically, the, the abuse, the child abuse that happens within family, it usually comes from the boyfriends of single mothers. When it comes to the actual quote unquote nuclear family, which I have problems with as well, the abuse almost drops dramatically. Like this is a leftist psyop of like, hmm. you know, the fifties was full of like, you know, hidden gay people that were oppressed and every uh, father was, uh, you know, uh, sexualizing his daughter, but you know, the whole hmm. just absolutely retarded memes. Like but that a natural born killer skit. You remember yeah, with yeah, Rodney exactly. Dangerfield? Yeah. yeah. You know where they got that? They got that from the Robert Crumb comic, uh, Joe Blow, mm. where they, it was like this incestuous family. But my last point would be in terms of the rhetoric of groomer. There is this long history within right-wing thought, particularly in America, that is inborn with conspiracy theory, where, you know, you look at, for example, the McMartin thing, you look at Ted Gunderson's work. And by the way, all that stuff was real. Ted Gunderson was a legitimate FBI agent. Um, so there's this long history of, various moral panics within uh, the right-wing ecosphere, mental ecosphere in America. But I think that nowadays, a lot of uh, leftists are very uh, concerned with the fact that the rhetoric is almost working when it comes to abortion, when it comes to um, quote-unquote rights for trans people. Um, there's this tweet that blew up by this terrible metal journalist. By the way, all metal journalists are crap. Uh, metal has been subverted by the Redditors. But uh, I think his name, he comes from Metal Injection. He had that tweet that blew up 100,000 likes about, you know, the, the screen cap where in Texas they're mm -hmm. getting rid of abortion. Uh, they're getting rid of uh, trans rights in Florida. And so this rhetoric clearly is working because you have a fast and punchy and conspiratorial um, line of thinking that is very, very conducive to the way that most conservatives that watch Fox News in America think. And they will actually go out to their student-teacher meetings and uh, blast, put these teachers on blast. It's mm. quite hilarious. So, so I don't, I'm not, I disagree so you see that, that as a, not you, working. You see, okay, so Gio, you see that as a positive, yeah. but you understand Nate's point if we were to kind of like massage the uh, area with the pressure over here that yeah, yes, uh, some no, parents yeah, would be confused yes no. yeah, yeah. about like, wait, what? my teacher is not yeah. this. Yeah, true, what? true. 
But I think that in terms of an effective historical strategy, very much plays to the heart of right-wing thinking mm. in America. Well, so what we have then, Nate, I would love for you to respond. But so from what I'm getting, what we have then is in terms of a strategy, we would have parents who would be confused, who would not really be as philosophically minded, let's say, to see the term groomer being expanded as far as it has, while at the same time we would have parents who kind of get mimetic warfare and understand that this term being expanded does serve some kind of a purpose and we could in a way not see it as being that far away if on one hand you have somebody who wants to do something sexual and the other hand you have somebody whose lectures and whose theories end up resulting in the sexuality being done even if it's not them doing it it doesn't seem at least to me right now as being so far away so even if there are parents that are confused to the point that Gio and Alex were making, wouldn't it be a pretty good strategy as far as just mimetic warfare goes? Yeah, so one thing on the, on the theoretical point, um, sort of Foucauldian sexual ideology, uh, while in some ways Foucault was sort of a rejection of like orthodox Marxism, its ideological genealogy comes from Marxism. You can see that in, in it, the way that it approaches the family, right? Because uh, a, a component of well, in, in this sense, uh, Gio, a component uh, of Marxism. I don't want I don't want to dwell too much on it, so uh, you could definitely speak about it. But I do want to get yeah, back just to really, the, really, really. Yeah. Well, this, yeah, it, it connects. But the, the component of Marxism and this became more and more of a thing in sort of Marxism, Leninism, and Marxism, Leninism, Maoism is the separation of the children. The children as the sort of revolutionary agent, and yeah. the family as the sort of reactionary yeah. capitalist structure, and the separation of the children from the family. Um, as a way to sort of the, uh, uh, have Ch the cultural revolution. Chinese Red Guard. Exactly. China's well, like the most. In America, it mostly came from Trotskyism as well that yeah. migrated to North America. And you could say that's right. a kind of grooming as well. Like people so are groomed Stalin to be. Stalin got rid of it. <laughs> oh, Lord, yeah. So, Pe people so are the... groomed to become kings. People are groomed to become princes. Right. So, in that sense, there's, you know, it fits in. But, but right. anyway, hey, go, go. In other words, the power structure is arbitrary to them. It's not something inborn within nature or biology. It's something that is. Right. But the, the point is, like, you can't you can't expect the average middle American to sort of respond to like a sort of college level dissertation on postmodern right, uh, exactly. philosophy, right? So the, the point again, that I think is useful for this conversation is just that like the average American thinks it's really sort of disturbing that you have a progressive movement now that wants to separate kids from their parents and wants to teach kids things against the will of their parents. Right. So again, like parental rights, you know, allowing parents to sort of, uh, be the preeminent agents in defining their their kids. Who, who's teachers. the recent um, Supreme Court? Uh, what's her name? Kentaji uh, Jackson. Yeah, Kentaji Jackson. Yeah, Jackson. Well, look at her case with the uh, legitimate pedophile that mm. she defended. That was. Although I wonder if that's oh because God. of that issue or because of the racial component. Some people are no, saying it was the that racial because... component. It was. It's become verboten to question her. And they, they view Republicans in Congress. Is it Congress that vets or the Senate? I'm Canadian. I'm Canadian. I don't want to stray too far. I want to get back to... They view to, it as an yeah. aberration to even question Yes. No, of course. Justice. But I want to get back to Alex here. So, Alex, as Wait, far... Wait, did Nate finish your point? Oh, you finish... oh, yeah, Nate. Uh, so you were talking about this uh, not being accessible to these uh, parents who are not as studied. Right. It's, it's obscure and esoteric. Like So you, again, like in the abstract and this is sort of the argument that people got into on Twitter, you can have the argument about the genuinely sort of pedophilic elements of the roots of gender ideology. You can talk about how inevitably the push to destigmatize sexual mores uh, leads to a place where actually this is a real problem. But that is 
much more abstract than I think what sort of, uh, you know, um, basic politics requires, which is a relatively simple, digestible and understandable political message. Um, you mean in terms me, of policy issues, like how it translates into school policy across? No, I'm the talking. Uh, well, well, sh sure, uh, but I think what I'm what I'm mainly talking about is like crafting a winning political message, right? Which is mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. that the actual the actual you have to have a sort of materially understandable and easy sort of political message. Mm -hmm. well, but I agree with, but, but I agree wouldn't with that uh, but wouldn't that mean that the word groomer would kind of shine? in that circumstance in comparison to something with a lot more syllables in it just because again groomer can be expanded like we talked about before grooming uh, a prince to become a king grooming a new red guard that does not but that's necessarily... not really the way that it's being used like they're not using no, it in it's terms sexual. of grooming a prince to to become a king like true you are using it true but at the no that's absolutely true but at the same time you also have groomer as in a uh, catch-all term to denote a certain amount of shame where somebody and i think a lot of people People were making this point in general on Twitter and the chat that the word groomer has become the rights word racist, where the left was constantly using the term racist to, you know, uh, besmirch anybody. Well, and then they're, and, they're responding yeah. in kind with the right or the real groomers because they want the family to groom children. So, no, but I agree with Nate in the sense that um, you, you have to think of these things structurally. I, I know my, my good friend Joel Davis talks about this against sort of like the reactive like i mean reactionary in the pure sense of like the sort of uh clear them out just get rid of them you know let's lamppost them it's it's more of like you have to think of things in how to achieve objective goals that requires a lot of strategic thinking and a lot of power within the institutions because the fact is when it comes to education particularly the right is like non-existent almost when it comes to ed various education institutions in north america and to an extent in europe i mean there's no app there's like republican lawmakers can only do so much unless you have people that are willing to not just infiltrate but restructure the education system in america yep. like, and then i want to get to alex alex do you think yeah, that the alex. word that the the word groomer would be akin to using the word racist where it would have these kind of uh fallbacks you know, from people who are light switch not, thinking, yeah, who don't want to be perceived as thus. If we're talking about the teachers who never wanted to do anything to the children in their school, who don't want to be associated with that in a way, if I would make the point for uh, the people who are on the side of the groomer being used more often, is that it would force people to look deeper at what exactly am I teaching these kids? Why am I being besmirched by this horrible terminology? Would it have that kind of effect? Yeah, I think it's, um, it's an icebreaker for sure. Um, and it's one of those, you know, words that uh, it's, it's, it's unsettling for both the people whose children it applies to and the people it should apply to the, the people in the schools. Um, I mean, it essentially the, the the good thing about it I, I still think it does apply you know almost perfectly to what's actually happening like there's uh, indoctrination it is everywhere in the schools and to be honest the fact that it, it's kind of a word that escalates uh, if, if it were at, like my my strategy to this would be like a you know sallow forum thread style you know showings of uh, <laughs> bottom surgery nonstop hot through every channel so that the parents, you know, move down the pipe to parent parental rights and, you know, detaching themselves from the public school system than ever. Because this stuff is is 
like I said, it's an abomination. Uh, a lot of people, you know, believe it superficially. I think the teachers should know exactly what they're promoting. Um, and I think everyone should be much more informed about the, um, the second order effects of, of this, you know, high status ideology that they're all carrying around. So, um, uh, I mean, like I said, uh, yeah, I, I mean, in the end, this is a question about, you know, strategy. Mm. Um, is it good to, you know, use, um, you know, partially language games, which is, you know, the, the, the fiefdom of the, of the left against them? Will it work? I mean, we've never really tried. So I guess, you know, it might, might, might be worth, uh, you know, giving it a go. Nate, do you agree with Alex that maybe these kind of things, because they haven't been tried, are worth at least giving the old college try for the right if they want to make any drastic uh, changes in this environment that's usually been the occupation of the left? Well, yeah, I agree that we need to be far more aggressive than the right has traditionally been in the culture war, and we need to be perfectly okay with being called uh, any and all kinds of names um, by the left. I've been you know, consistently pretty critical of Republicans still to this day uh, on their response to the culture war, which I think has been far too tepid and often driven by cowardice, as well as just sort of corporate interests. Um, but, you know, that requires, I think, what Alex was saying about showing the really horrific, you know, pictures of, uh, of, of gender surgery on children, uh, showing Americans, you know, very, very clearly and viscerally what this actually means long term, which is the you know chemical sterilization of children and the destruction of their lives and uh, you know suicides and mental health issues all of that stuff yes absolutely a hundred percent pedal to the metal go for it right to me that doesn't require getting sort of ensnared in the inevitable abstract debates that I think derive from the word groomer um, I would much rather just force the left to defend you know the picture of a twelve year old who has been chemically castrated right because because they can't argue with with that I mean they can try but it falls mm. flat on, on their face right. They can say that they can say, well, the you know accusations of grooming are inaccurate, and then we get into this long debate, and we've already lost. They I don't see. I don't know. If, I don't know if they happen. will, though. If we look at the order of operations, we have images, videos, and text. Text is something that's much more widespread. If we're talking about Twitter, if we're talking about articles, and people it's can definitely forums thread. Tell, yeah, people <laughs> can definitely respond exactly how you're talking about Nate. But oh. I guess the bigger question is, who is this being done for? If somebody makes a nonsensical response about how much they love Russia, for example, on Twitter, there is no need for me to. There is no need for me to dirty myself in responding to complete idiocy. So I think the same thing could happen here. People can make love certain. The ruble response. rebounded recently. Love uh, love give it that. time. Give it time, Geo. These things don't happen once. China's aiding, but anyway, the point is, is that I well, think love, that people I think, are. I think you'd Geo, be happy that we're going less back to. In the world. We're going and back. Apparently, they're surrounded in the in the steel plant as. Off. They, they're uh, surrounded by the geo geo for, for, for listen for islamo duganism is the way of the future love islamo duganism Geo, i don't even think i don't even think you uh, like uh, the russians that much because they're, i love are you, do you know why <laughs> do you know why because they're because they're weak that's why you don't like because they're not effective if they were oh, effective wow. if they were well, able to pretty, uh they're pretty damn effective actually i don't know Lev. so anyway let's get back to the uh, conversation uh, again shameful let's get back to the con oh slavo ukraine so my shirt slavo ukraine uh, history is not going to be kind to you geo anyway oh, uh, no. nate Nate, getting well, back to that. getting back to the subject at hand, and we're we're gonna get a little bit into this as well, maybe. Uh, but anyway, getting back to the subject at hand here, do you agree that the mimeticness? Hold on, after after I ask serious point away, when it comes to this mimeticness, when it comes to typing, using words, 
and ignoring any of the, well, that is not what it technically means. What I've noticed recently on, well, not recently, but in general on the internet is sometimes something like posting one's physique, sometimes just putting a stupid meme, you know, pee-pee-poo-poo, whatever, as a response to something that is, you know, nonsensical. I was that, to keep the normies away. Like. Yes. No, but my point is that that is something that actually works well, in my opinion, to whenever people try to become too serious and try to say, well, this is technically not what it means. So in a way, I think that people have become very mimetically oriented today, very visually oriented, where I think that Medically, it may actually work in one's favor to create some kind of a term, kind of like the left uses racist, and just not respond to any of the, well, that's the, you know, doesn't mean yada, yada, yada. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here that maybe there is mm. something here that may have been missed. But I don't know, so, Nate. Yeah. Yeah. So so I, I think, uh, you know, in all these debates, and I sort of implicate myself in this, the sort of right-wing commentary at, you know, internet space, like we need to be careful not to uh, overemphasize or conflate, you know, what happens on Twitter or on sort of Reddit with what actually happens in material politics, right? Like the average voter is not is not sort of, they don't really know what who Pepe is, right? They don't sort of, you know, they don't know what base and red pill means, right? Like they might have some instincts and some impulses that cross over with like the right wing uh, internet user type, but it doesn't. It, like I think there is a danger on the you know new right, whatever you want to call it, that our entire sort of political worldview is dictated to us by a relatively insular space on Twitter that's actually yes. pretty out of touch with what I mean. Yes. Now, with that being said, I do think we should be mocking the left. And, you know, basically, I think that's a way to sort of expose the emperor as having no clothes. I think one of the best things about Trump, actually, was the fact that he didn't pretend, for example, you know, when the media asked him absurd questions, he wouldn't pretend, you know, that it was actually legitimate. He wouldn't take them seriously. He'd just make fun of them, right? I think that's good. I think that you like legitimizing these people is bad because they don't deserve legitimacy mm. and you should well, be, I, you know, try, trying to sort of undermine mm. their legitimacy by mocking them. Before, but, before Gio, yeah. I know that Gio wants to say, but I want to respond to that real quickly, Nate, and say that in my own opinion, there is a memetic hierarchy. There are certain memes like Pepe the Frog, which could be get picked up by certain boomers, but then there are other ones. For example, the widespread <laughs> memes of that, uh, you know, lady pointing at the cat and the cat is eating its uh, dinner, looking at it. Like, there are certain memes that are incredibly normie-friendly that are taking in, and if we're talking about, like, Trump supporters or various other people on the right, just Trudeau is Castro's son. That's yeah. There we go. Yeah, like well, but again, they're like not, they're not going to go for that. They would go for groomer. I think they'd yeah, go for groomer. Yeah, it's it's tough to know. It's a counterfactual, right? Because I don't think this is like really entered like the sort of mainstream middle American discourse yet. Um, it certainly has on the internet. You have a lot of boomers on Twitter who are sort of all in on this stuff. But again, boomers, we have to be know. careful. We have to be careful not to sort of conflate boomers on the internet with, you know, the average boomer middle American voter. Like the, for example, you know, the, the reason that like Republicans are flipping, uh, you know, governor seats like Virginia, which has been democratic for a very long time running on these issues uh, is not because Glenn Youngkin and, you know, their issues with Glenn Youngkin obviously is not like my ideal of what a Republican would be, but he won by tapping into these issues and he won by tapping into them, not by uh, using memes, right. But by just sort of talking to the concerns of the average parent who doesn't really have time to sort of, delve into the, you know, like the sort of Twitter fever swamp and sort of figure out what's going on. Uh, they just don't like that the shit is in their schools and they want someone who's going to stand up and get it out. And that's what mm. Yankin said. And that's, I think, all it really requires. But I, I think that w we have examples, though. We, we do have examples. And I want to get Alex on this because 
and Alex both being part of the Twitterati, which I don't view as a movement so much as I view as an avant-garde, which my recent article series is, gonna, is about. It's that. an a movement. A Remember movement. that? Oh yeah, yeah, that was. Um, <laughs> Oh, 2016 4chan uh, yeah. oh yeah that's right yeah With the wolf girl well, even on 4chan i mean for example you have the god emperor memes that was one was uh like uh yeah one was like totally ridiculous post where it's like they uh erect a gallows and the ss come back to oh, life god. zombies and god emperor trump has his warhammer 40k yeah. and again no, these are um, not the memes these are not the memes we were talking no, about they're not, no 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 th- those well, well trumpism is sort of a a more recent example, but I would say that an example that we have specifically directly to this issue would be the pro-life movement. Because for a while in the 1990s, you had um, the discourse around, oh, just my chair here. Um, You have the discourse around like showing very graphic images of abortions, specifically late-term abortions. And that dictated um, a lot of the discourse around it. But then you had like a, a certain set of people I would consider subverters that turned the pro-life movement into um, sort of like some kind of, I don't know, uh, funding movement that is had a bunch of liberal assumptions about things. But nowadays we're having a sort of return. And, and the left, they've for their credit, some of them have, have uh, the bread tubers, they've noticed this, is that you have a return to that old style of shock rhetoric that was very much in tune with the newly crafted... Uh, media driven like you know postmodern trash tv of the 90s where you have shocking displays that almost come off as like you know i would even say it's a form of a performance art it's a form of uh, like the the viennese actionists it was only till recently because what well, to their credit because they took the funding structure they took the organization of the pro-life movement it was only till recently till like younger millennials and zoomers who are on the political right started memeing it and started returning to the very, you know, hyper um, ultra violent rhetoric of the older pro-life movement that we start to see a shift within legislative. Um, but sorry, sorry to interrupt. I don't I don't think pro-lifers are winning because of Zoomers on the Internet. Like, it, like it, no, no, no. Well they are going back to of, a more honest and bold. But they but it. they is not like right wing Zoomer Twitter users. Right. Like they no, no, but is, like the, the, the activists who have been on the ground for decades organizing, you know, uh, holding meetings at local town halls, et cetera, et cetera. Right. right like, but not the, the energy, I mean, the energy and the radicalization comes from. But that's not that's not driven by, by Zoomer Twitter users. <laughs> like, it's just not like, again, like this well, is like. Maybe not, no, not in total, to but I mean. Chamber. But I mean, like, sort of an honesty and sort of an irreverence for the norms of. Uh, I understand. Civil that. I'm just saying that's not. But but that's coming from like serious activists on the ground who are doing organizing and messaging and. Oh, but and I'm just saying. Well, what accounts for cetera, this recent? But what accounts for this recent wave? I mean, there's other factors as well. The fact that the hmm. Biden administration is universally disliked. But what what accounts for the more recent waves of pro-life victories within America? I don't think it's because of the slow and steady civil discourse that the pro-life movement has been using for the last 30 years. Well, part of it has to do with the conservative Supreme Court. Part of it has to do with, you know, being emboldened by a conservative Supreme Court, which uh, was enabled by decades of, you know, uh, institutional coalition building by the Federalist Society. 
Um, part of it has to do with like the genuine decades of work that pro-lifers have been doing on the ground, actually convincing people, going door to door, making sure that Republicans don't cuck out on this and that there will be real consequences for them if they do. Like right, all that stuff, Vanguard it's not as sexy as, as as memes on Twitter, but it's actually like <laughs> the stuff that wins. You know, it's not like but, uh, we, but spend, I'm seeing we all that... spend too much time on Twitter. So we are convinced that like this is where political decisions get made. And sometimes it is. This is how the left wins, by the way. You need a very active and extremist vanguard on the front, giving energy, making memes, crafting I'm all for, Well, I don't know, but I don't know that they have to make memes. I'm all for like an active and aggressive vanguard. I mean, that's where right. I consider myself. But, but that's what but. I mean. When it comes to the pro-life movement, they're very like through the Obama years, they were almost, you know, they, they had given up. Mm. Any years, it, but I still don't know great. just to, to Nate's point here and I want to get Alex in this on as well I don't know how much a lot of this energy on the internet is chiefly responsible as opposed to a lot of other things you could say for example that Trump may have been responsible for a certain no exactly you know, no, it's not just the memes it's about the willingness to admit what the reality is this is infanticide this is killing children yeah for the longest time but the that's, but that's true the, that. di the, different, the difference is that's true Right. That's obviously well, true. like you yeah, show I'll someone be... a picture of a late term aborted baby. Like mm. you can't argue with that. It's just yeah. true that that but, baby was killed. But right? where do Internet communities fit into all this? Was sort of yeah, but, from... but where do Internet communities come into all this? This actually I want to bring back to the grooming question, because if we're talking about all of these uh, Internet posts, all the shit posting that may, let's say, theoretically, start to drip into the real world where in community meetings some people may start using the term groomer or whatever so on one hand you could say that hey this is going to infuse more of this spicier energy into the town hall meetings on the other hand to nate's point it may alienate people who don't really understand why this particular term is being used so what i'm really trying to figure out here with this conversation is which one is more likely because if the point of the right is to do less, you know, to do as little harm as possible for their own point, then I think Nate's point has to be considered as much as possible here. Like trying to steal man, like Alex, can you steal man Alex's point here of the possible troubles that are going to occur if, let's say, uh, this specific usage of groomer is not just limited to the internet space, but is going to go out into the town halls and to wherever the parents are going to be? I think groomer in general is a very lightweight, lightweight term. I it, I don't really see the you know the, the the negatives being that strong. I mean, to be honest, I think that we're we're kind of talking past a, a core thing that I think a lot of people, especially on the dissident right, believe it's it's essentially elite theory, like the idea that you know what one person in middle America believes and you know is is not going to steer. I mean, is groomer an important concept for the people who are the tastemakers for X? You know, is is it does it have cachet in the right areas? Is that, you know, the t dissident right Twitter might not be, but has it does it have the potential to trickle into, you know, to, to make people curious in the sense that, you know, they might look into what, you know, queer theory stands for. They might look up a picture of Jessica Yaniv. You know, they might look at, you know, what 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 the um, euphemism uh, bottom surgery is for, like things like that, you know. Violent, yeah. yeah, trans, you know, trans politics is high status. Um, can we nudge through meme magic and, and naughty words like rumor, could we nudge it into being low status um, in the places that matter? So, 
I mean, from my perspective, I think that's, you know, the, the steel man for the, for the meme magic argument. Uh, meme magic has worked a few times uh, mm. in the last few but, but can you steel man Nate? Oh, wait, one second, Gio. Can you Sorry. steel man Nate as much as you can as far as where this could possibly go wrong? That's where I'm trying to get at here. Ah, so, yeah, Nate's argument. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, can, I can see Nate's argument. I mean, his argument is essentially about tactics. He's been, you know, on the ground. He's been in these institutions. Uh, he's talked to these people. Um, he's seen, you know, he's, he's fought this battle at the places where decisions, maybe, you know, lower scale decisions, not, you know, grand decisions are made, but, you know, institutional decisions are made. Um, and he... His feeling is that this is, you know, shitty tactics and people wouldn't understand it. I mean, that's obviously, you know, a, a good, <laughs> the best deal man there is. I've not been in these institutions. I don't have any contact with these people. I don't know how they speak. I don't know what they think. Uh, you know, his um, his feeling for it on the ground, I think, is, is super important data. Um, I just don't necessarily think that that's, um, that's where the war is won. I think that those are important battles. But the overall, um, you know, uh, turning of the elites, I think, is more important towards, you know, things that are, uh, yeah, essential. And mm. then I think then that that trickles down through the institutions well, as well. Because I think we're, we're always on, on the back foot in, in leftist institutions. It's like, you know, who are the real racists? That's the fight we're, we're losing continuously for decades. Like, you know, you can maybe win some battles, but the war is long and heavy and will we'll involve some serious generals. Well, that's just hold, hold, hold. Oh, just like really, really quickly, like I... Like, if we're talking about messaging specifically to other elites internally, then I think we actually can afford to have a much more nuanced, complicated conversation. And like a catchy catchphrase isn't as necessary, right? If we're talking about messaging to sort of the grassroots or middle America or the average sort of parents or whatever, you have to talk about making sort of a politically digestible message. And I, I thought that's sort of what we were debating mm. initially. No, I, 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 don't, debating I don't think that's the case, though. I think, uh, Alex, correct me if I'm wrong, but mm. if I can digest what you said, it's about having the elites themselves uh churn out these very digestible phrases like grooming groomer towards the public and then the public can kind of catch on to this shame factor of associating uh the left with these uh, phrases it's more of securing the sort of ability to control discourse in general that the elites possess i think that's what alex alex so nate oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah any any thoughts on that if uh so if it so again so sorry maybe maybe Alex can clarify your point. Are you talking about convincing elites to be on like the right side on this issue, or are you talking about crafting messaging in a way that is, uh, you know, politically salient in like a broader political movement? I mean, essentially both, but um, in the sense that you know, deciding that we have the right to rule and the right to create memes like this, and you know, to to propagate them at you know from the top down and you know take people with us that way so um i think you know geo geo said it better than i did um it's it's essentially by um yeah essentially deciding that our meme our meme magic has the right to rule which the left has had for you know since almost well, time memorial well, well okay so i i think i think we have the right i think we have the right to right whether or not it's prudent i think is the sort of the discussion that i think is uh is is the one that i was getting at right which is that i mm -hmm. think like if you're trying to convince elites to actually get aggressive like right-wing elites to get on the right side of this and actually understand this in the sort of systemic institutional terms that i think it requires understanding it as um you can have like a longer conversation 
about exactly what this means, exactly what the ideological roots of it are, exactly what's required to actually, you know, cleanse American society of it whole, wholesale. Yeah, but um, essentially what, what this means is that, you know, it needs to be uprooted, like at an ontological level. This is, you know, we've already, yeah. we've already, you know, given up so much ground, 95% of the way. And now we're, we're haggling again over peanuts. Mm. So I think, you know, kind of instilling this idea of, of, you know, the right rule here is that, you know, this is not an acceptable category. Like, I, I agree with all that. Yeah. But I think that what really is what I think me and Alex are trying to get at is that when you look at a sort of, uh, I guess what Joel would call a positive vision, um, you need, uh, what I mean by controlling the apparatuses of discourse, I mean that you need to sort of, like what Alex was pointing at, you need to dismantle the notion that a lot of these issues are luxury beliefs or upper middle class, high class professional sort of worldview uh, luxury items. And so the way you do this is you have to sort of at one end expose, of course, the reality of what it is, what it actually means to like you have like a lot of very disgusting Reddit moderator types that are just look hideous. They're, they hate beauty. They want to destroy it. Right. I mean, that's the typical sort of like vitalist right wing response. But I think more than that, you need a counterpoint. You need a sort of a intellectual and cultural and, and even I would say economic movement that could displace the current elites in a sense. So you have, and I know, I know Lev, you hate him for passion, but Dugan is 100% right about this, where you need a form of sort of postmodern luxury belief that is geared towards the right. You need to sort of uh, subvert their rhetorical tactics and their intellectual dispositions. Well, my, my issue is not with the subversion of rhetorical tactics. I think this is what we've been talking about it, it all this deeper, time. No, no, no my, my issue is that a lot of the... Let me read you a thread. Wait, hold on, Gio. I got to respond to that. And then I want to Nate to answer here as well. I have one more point. And I th yeah, I know. But I think Nate is going to agree with me on this, wherein there has definitely be a, been a tendency on the enclosed bubble of the E-right to want there to be a complete destruction of the system and upend the system in such a way as their system will take its place. And I think that this is a very naive view, which I don't take seriously at all. And this is something that I've been seeing a lot more uh, often, where people have no idea what it's like to actually set up a system and they want to destroy this one, even I mean, though the, yeah. You know? If the system is the system where people don't cut children's penises off, I feel like we can dismantle a little bit, you know? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm actually okay <laughs> with thinking in, I'm actually okay with those, thinking those terms. I mean, I've been quoted as describing myself as, a radical sometimes and i think in a sense i am in that i think like it is what we're looking at is a sort of conflict between a traditional american way of life embodied by americans largely in the middle of the country and a regime that hates us and hates our way of life and wants to dismantle it wholesale right like those are the stakes this is why i care about the issue so much is precisely because of the the stakes are existential right i mean we're mm -hmm. talking about not just the existence of america and our traditional way of life but like actually of a conception of the human person which is under, you know, broadside attack, right? So like all of that is, you know, we need a right that is cognizant of those stakes and understands it in those systemic No, but I, I could speak a lot more frankly here and say that I think a lot of the people who are on the E-right not only want to get rid of the system, I'm not even talking about changing aspects of the system that would, let's say, prevent the kind of things that Alex and everybody here is against. I'm talking about dismantling the system and replacing it with a uh, fascist uh, totalitarian yeah, system. Yeah, right, and this is where it gets into, like, LARPing territory, right? Which is, like, this is, I think, the problem with like 
like the sort of internet right and the internet's influence on some right wing thinking is like there's a there's a lot of sort of like silly stuff out there from like Twitter and nons that I to me like because I actually really care about these issues I want us to be serious which is not the same thing as like cucking out it's not the same thing as uh, you know moderating or anything like that it's just about not being like insane and not well, here, you know, basically like letting a, your your, twi- your political ideology get dictated to you by anons on Twitter who are like, but they are but they are what what else do we have do we have the national review I sorry I, I know I'm offending your employer no, but no, 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 do look, we have I, look, national I, review anymore so, do we, well, so uh, is David French going to lead the way <laughs> yeah, well, I mean but David, so David David French is not is not defining uh, I think how even like the most mainstream legacy conservative institutions think anymore and there has been movement well, um, in, in conservative institutions uh, on this stuff in the right direction. To an extent, but, but there are there are subverters like him and Nate, and not, no, Nate, uh, Bernie, and so, there are subverters such as him and Andrew Sullivan that sort of, they're like, oh, we've got to put the brakes on it, guys. Like, yeah, is, sure there are. And I think they're wrong. I think they're wrong. Well, yeah. Mm. But here's a thread. Here's a thread in reply. He's watching the stream. A good friend of mine, Remnant Poster, who I've been friends with for years. He says the problem with, <laughs> I know this is going to be critical of Nate. The problem with Nate's take on groomer is the assumption that the masses respond to rational arguments. What this guy has said about Trump saying deport Mexicans, ban Muslims, build the wall, you know, 10 feet, like you remember. Um, rhetoric that Trump won on back in 2016. NRO guys love to lecture you about scaring the hose, but the fact that the normies respond to counter-narrative and narrative has nothing to do with rationality or any of the debate bro nonsense. Guys, we just need to be more nuanced. They're not gonna. They're not groomers. They're just groomer apologists. <laughs> no, but I yeah. think that. I don't think. First of all, to defend you, I think that you're not saying that. You're saying that this sort of weird, out there, kind of Franklin cover-ups type stuff, conspiracies. That's not going to be winning because most people can look at that and say that that's conspiratorial thinking yeah. and that's. But I do think that when it comes to mass movements, you sort of need an elite that can create these. Uh, right. So I, I, I don't think I don't think you know. like they want to cut your kid's dick off is like that nuanced, right? <laughs> like no, I actually no, no, think no, this, you know there's a lot of like content here which is just true and is also extreme and attention grabbing that doesn't get us into these like you know debates about like the gray area of whether or not it defines this, mm. et cetera, et cetera. Right? Like right. there's a lot you can say. I don't understand why this requires well, the use of. A well, term I guess I guess the big right. disagreement so one here. Point, well, one last okay. point. Love, one last point. I think that the different the problem is that. What we're seeing for a variety of reasons that have culminated within the 2010s, and my good friend Catherine B talks about this as well. Me and Alex and Lev's good friend, um, is that you have a variety of things that were initially, in the, and I, you know, my opinion for you know, because I spent wasted a lot of hours in grad school writing about Michel Foucault. Um, I think that you have a lot of very niche and interesting academic theories. But when it was unleashed upon things like, you know, Tumblr and LiveJournal and so forth, then you have journalists picking them up. Then you have academics reverberating them with sort of like New Yorker reviewed coffee table books. You have very niche academic concepts that have ascended to mainstream policymaking. Now, how do you get niche right wing shitposting intellectual Twitterati ideas on a sort of same level of where, I don't know, maybe... Maybe Rick DeSantis one day will become an Islamo Duganist. Probably not. But like I'm saying, Rick. you have this sort of alchemy where concepts that, in my opinion, even when, when it comes to queer theory, there are a lot of interesting points. You know, purely intellectually, though, when it comes to the outside of the ivory tower, that's when things get scary. But how did they perfect that alchemy of translating 
ivory tower concepts into public policy and how do we do the same that is i think the number oh, before before nate responds i just want to say on the islamic dugan angle the idea here it's is a that meme, Lev. It's a no meme. no no i know it's a meme but what's not a meme was that there were in the early 20th century very bright people such as benito mussolini who mm -hmm. read gustav Bon's the crowd i think one oh, of yeah, the things yeah. that uh, people who are on the uh, you know not far right the one thing that they may, may be missing out on is actually sitting down and reading Gustave Le Bon's The Crowd or similar books that talk about the power of being able to manipulate people, you know, both for good, good and ill. So you know, the question, if you want to what... talk about fascism, we should get cultured thug on you. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we should. But anyway, the, que <laughs> the question here, though, is that what is the end goal of a lot of the things that are being proposed and who are the players here? Because if we're talking about people who for a long time have been described by certain people as graceful losers, I think that there is a recognition that there are people out there who are going to be weak, who are not going to stand up for the principles that they care about, while at the same time I think people are starting to crop up who do care about those principles. The problem that I have on the right is that the only responses that I so far see, if we don't talk about people who I think are like the Chris Rufos and so on and so forth, the response just seems to be, let's go back to Mussolini, let's go back to Hitler, let's go back to all of these people who created a horrible condition that I think a lot of uh, very contrarian young people who are online on the right are actually unironically big admirers of. And that's why I say that the questions that are posed a lot on Break the Rules are the right questions, but the solutions are shit. These are shitty solutions, these are disgraceful solutions, and these are, embar get, and these are embarrassing time, solutions. Lad. And these are embarrassing solutions. So that's why I think no, well, the questions I, are great and I, the I, solutions I, are just pieces of shit. But anyway, Nate, uh, your response to uh, either that or what... Uh, and we got to get Alex on the yes. solutions. Too. Yeah, I want to yeah, make sure we don't crowd out Alex. Um, yes, Alex. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really quickly, I think the way that you do it to answer your question, uh, Gio, is like what you know, someone like Chris Rufo is doing. Right, like it, mm. you, it, we don't. The the right does not have the luxury of an entire institutional apparatus like the academy and the legacy media and the culture industry and you know one of the two major political parties and big tech companies, et cetera, et cetera. You know, corporate boardrooms, um, of basically having this like elite structure to propagate these ideas and sort of inject them into the American conscience. Um, what we do have is uh, energetic grassroots um, and you know some elite institutions like think tanks, et cetera. Um, that can sort of and, and a sort of messaging apparatus in the Republican Party, which while profoundly um, imperfect and often cucked, uh, is you know capable of responding to elite signaling. So what you do is you know someone like Chris just goes to parents and he's like, "This is in your schools," and the parents go, "I don't like that in my schools." And he says, "Okay, let's get let's get it out." And then he partners with legacy conservative institutions like the Heritage Foundation, which now has sort of like gone all in on this stuff. Um, and they write the policy plans and they take it to parents and they build the grassroots movements and they pass the laws and they create this movement, right? Which is now sweeping the country. Um, and then Republican politicians wake up and you have even like mainstream, you know, ostensibly moderate, you know, blue state Republicans like Glenn Youngkin, like running on this stuff pr relatively aggressively compared to what a blue state Republican would talk like, you know, even five years ago. Yeah. Um, that to me like seems like a roadmap to success and it's what we should be following rather than, um, uh, you know, getting stuck in sort of abstract digital debates on the hellscape that is Twitter. Mm. Alex, what's your response to that? Oh, unmute yourself. And everybody subscribe and add a like because the likes definitely help the algorithm out 100%. Yeah, I mean, my response to that is that, you know, 
as much um, you know emotionally powerful, vivid, image-heavy content that we can put out uh, about the reality that you know is uh, you know the, the the vision of the world that we promote and the vision of the world that they promote is is you know is is a good thing. I mean, Rufo's doing a great job on that. Um, you know what what the strategy is. I mean, I feel you know I kind of have to agree with Nate here. We're kind of um, you know we're getting bogged down in in you know questions of, of on-the-ground strategy. I personally think that groomer is a very fitting, very colorful word that encompasses exactly as much as it should. And it's a, it's a great gateway to seeing, you know, what what exactly is bubbling under the under the surface. And God, it is a lot. Um, and uh, it, I feel like, you know, it, it might put some people up, uh, off, but I also think it, uh, it's going to make some people curious about why this accusation is levied, because um, it is a legitimate accusation. So, um, yeah, I think, to be honest, I, I, I don't know if there's any, anything more that I could add to this. Mm. Like, so it all, the, it all the, comes the down issue, to... Wait, Gio, one second. Have, well, one second, Gio. And we'll get to your issue 100%. Uh, what I think it comes down to then, the big difference between Nate and Alex right now is whether or not this term groomer is going to inspire this fire in the belly of a lot of parents just because people think emotionally they don't think rationally they think based on sloganeering so whether or not it's going to have that magical spell type effect or whether parents are going to be turned off by the association to all these bad things so that seems to be the the big line in the sand yeah, and I, I mean, I think Alex and I, as she just said, uh, are aligned that overall, like this debate is sort of a sideshow distraction from the real issue at hand. I think I just think that the term itself is a distraction and it's an unnecessary one. Um, whereas there are, you know, plenty of other sort of approaches that we can take without getting distracted by a word that I think is imperfect. The, mm. the thing I would agree with Nate on is that, unfortunately, when it comes specifically to American right wingers, is that. Or people like I mean I'm what I mean is like you know Fox News conservative types, is that you have an issue that has a very marked sticking point, but unfortunately it devolves into being like the flavor of the month because it's hammered on so hard by you know like the Sean Hannity types or whatever to the point where the political left usually turns around and says that's an old issue that's been solved who cares and so you have the next thing the next thing so the problem is I think that there isn't um unlike issues like uh, gun rights or the pro-life issue, it seems that for some reason in America, it's very difficult to create a, a systemic uh, environment of activism and funding and institutions around these very specific and pressing issues that doesn't devolve into like, this is the spectacle of the month and every commentator on Fox News is talking about it. Everyone on Twitter is talking about it. Then the political left will go, Oh, that's an old issue. That's still, it's like during the Bush years, this was perfected with like, you know, the freedom prize, the, mm. um, what like, you know, uh, no, that's a like, good point. Geo. Yeah. It could be, there could be some, uh, judo. Obama, yeah. The Obama there years could, especially could be was like terrible for this yeah. because you I'm, had like the Zimmerman thing, then the reaction to it, then like another issue. Then with Obama, it was the beer. Summit. It's like, these little issues, they get magnified for a month, then they evaporate. Yeah, or things like Pat Robertson in the early 90s, oh. uh, you know, the, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there are people... Which one with Pat Robertson? Which one? I don't know. I yeah, don't know, oh, dude. Was it him or Farwell that called Ellen DeGeneres Ellen DeGeneres? 
think yeah. it was Firewall. Yeah. Was... yeah, but again, like, to, to Nate's credit, I think that these things do have a tendency, like, spells could be used, you know, in both directions, where you could have something that people gather around, and all of a sudden, if that thing becomes like, uh, like the Chimp Pokemon South Park episode, of all of a sudden the parents start playing with the Pokemon, and it doesn't get uh, popular anymore. Well, I think there's a similar left, thing that could happen. Flavors of the month. They, they do have flavors of the month. They have, like, the summer of George, for instance, if you know what I mean. But like, they don't have it to the same degree because they're sort of um, what they choose to focus on is a multi-pronged attack that comes from various institutionalized activist groups and so forth. They don't have the same like spectacle media-driven thing that conservatives do. And I, I mean, listen, I I don't like him. I think he's a sellout. I I I called him Gargoyleania. But Richard Hanania had a good point about, like, you know, conservatives, they pay attention to the television, the boomers, and therefore they're very prone to this, like, 24-hour news cycle psyop thing where it's like Fox News is only talking about this issue for a week, then they move yeah. on. The left, they don't have that. They have a very systemic approach to it. Well, not, to say that, not to say Gregorelli is right on anything mm. else, but like, well, the, I know uh, the, Alex, you interviewed him. I'm very sorry to get you in trouble. Well, the last thing I wanted to bring up in this uh, wonderful oh. discussion, and this is, again, both for Alex and Nate, it has to do with the gatekeeping question, where I think a lot of people who are very contrarian online, they would see uh, you know, a wonderful uh, gentleman like Nate over here just because of the association of you know the organization that you're with, that you're not just some uh, you know basement-dwelling need on his keyboard with a dark mag avatar in a way that makes you separate from the tribe in a way that makes you somebody who they fear is compromised because they can't imagine anybody being within the circle of the people who are the insiders and not being compromised which creates this fear and idea that whatever it is that you're going to say is only going to serve to destabilize whatever they do. But like I said before, my problem with them is that a lot of them are very fascistic-minded because they're in a bubble, so the solutions that they bring up are going to be shit, and it brings up a very uh, crucial, uh, how do you say, a very crucial fork in the road here, where a lot of the problems that are brought up online, like I said before, even like references like Moloch, things like that, they talk to, even if you take out the mythology, the religion, it talks to this frustration that people have with the insiders. And a lot of the insiders don't seem to address these things at all, which is why I created Break the Rules in the first place, so that the outsiders can speak with the insiders and kind of see where the weakness is with each other. For example, there was a wonderful conversation with Jonathan Kay, and I brought up uh, the, uh, that what was that, the with the owl, Moloch, the... Um, Bohemian uh, Grove. Bohemian Grove, thank you, Gio. I brought up Bohemian Grove just to say that, hey... Like, let's take all the magic out of this. Let's just say exactly what it is. You know, that you have these people who gather around in robes in front of this statue of, uh, you know, this owl. And we had David Gergen interviewed by Alex Jones, who admitted that this is happening. And I already noticed that there was a bit of discomfort, even in the subject being approached. And I think this goes to the very core of the separateness of the insiders and outsiders, where the insiders have a problem even imagining that these kind of things can even be discussed that there is something about it something very repulsive something like like no like we can't even go into the realm of even picturing these high-level politicians wearing robes in front of a fire because it sounds an awful lot like these tinfoil cranks talking about it even if it, it happens. sounds like what richard nixon said about it. yes exactly but then the point here is that i want to try to 
I want to try to unite these things. And I guess the question for both Alex and Nate is, Alex, do you agree with uh, how I described this this environment being in relation to the insiders and outsiders? And what do you think can be done to bring out the best of the outsiders while leaving a lot of stupidity behind towards the insiders? Oh, and also vice versa. I would ask Alex the, the difference, I think, between the North American situation and how these mm. culture war issues play out in Europe is well, I mean, Romania is not technically Eastern yeah. Europe. Although again, Gio, you're stepping at my question. Let's separate oh. it. I want to, anyway, Alex, yeah. uh, go for that. And I would love for Nate's response to that question as well. Yeah. So essentially the question is about, um, gatekeeping about what makes one an outsider an insider and kind of how well not o- not only that but also what can each uh, learn from each other what do you see as being the big hurdle here and let's say like why people go on twitter and why are they attracted to all of these threads is it purely because they're just wasting their time on bullshit or is there something is there a diamond in the rough here that the insiders are never talking about or rarely talking about yeah, I think I think that's that's fair. Um, I feel like uh, there's a, a lot of you know the um, the fringes are where truth is mined. Is it you know a hundred percent golden nuggets that are found at the fringes? No, there are certain no. incentives to to push to push the boundaries. There's a lot of shit nuggets there. As well. <laughs> yeah, the dingleberries, <laughs> you know, the nuggets of, of different uh, different uh, flavors. Um, so uh, the essentially the incentives at the at the fringes are to to go hard, you know, to you know to push the boundaries, push the envelope. Will that uncover a lot of uh, a lot of gold? Yes, it does, and I feel like that's why a lot of insiders also, you know, go uh, you know cruising around the edges, and they all follow some some uh, people who are more on the fringes. Um, how to separate the wheat from the chaff? How to integrate these ideas into um, into what the the inside? I think you know this this type of stuff happens organically as well. Um, the, the problem is that, you know, the, it's, it's kind of the dinner party problem. You know, the people on the inside, they still want to get invited to the dinner parties. The left hosts the dinner parties at the moment. So if you're on the inside, you're, you're certainly, um, you're tied into, you, you kind of have to play ball, you know. Where the line is where one has to play ball, that's a little bit shifting. It feels like it's shifting into the direction of the fringes a little bit. But that's also, from my perspective, because I'm on the fringes. And I also, I don't get invited to dinner parties because I live, you know, in, in Hicksville, Romania. So I'd invite you to my dinner party, Alex. Thank you, Liv. I'd invite you to my dinner party, too. But, uh, yeah, it'd be a bit complicated. So, um, yeah, I think... You know, the, sh- the shift's happening. It's it's not like a, there's not, you know, a, a huge metal gate. Uh, it's kind of like a membrane. There's some little bit of osmosis happening there. Um, you know, how to force this. I think, you know, I think Break the Rules is doing a good job. I mean, I try to do some of it with my podcast as well. Um, subversive. You know, Subscribe to Subversive, subversive with Alex Kashuda. Thank you. Um, so I think, to be honest, I, I don't necessarily see how this could be done you know, in, inorganically, like from, from the top down or for some system or some institution, you know, like I said, I'm, I subscribe to elite theory, like when enough people with enough sway uh, pay attention to these ideas. And I think there's also the pressure from reality, like the, the, the idea complex of the left does not stand the test of reality. It's completely inhuman. It's, you know, it's, it's leading to complete ruin, incompetence in every field. Like there is a lot of ruin in a nation, but 
come on. And then at one point, um, you know, there has to be a shift just because, you know, the elites tend to be relatively smart people. They're chasing status, but they're also, you know, at, at one point going to hit the, the wall of reality and there's, there's going to be, uh, you know, a reckoning. So essentially that's, that's my hope. That's the white pill. Mm. I'm probably going to have to log off very soon. But uh, yeah, this has been really, really fun. Absolutely, it has. And uh, thank you so much, Alex and Nate. Same question. Would you like to add, agree, disagree on what uh, Alex was talking about in this relationship between the outsiders well, and insiders? Alex has to go because all of the uh, the gypsies come out at night. So <laughs> oh, God, gotta... yeah. Indeed. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I got I to take off pretty soon here, too. But I would say um, I... I uh, I agree that there's a problem with the distinction between the inside and the outside. I would just again caution against overemphasizing the role of like the sort of internet fever swamp uh, in that. Like to me, the distinction between the insiders and the outsiders are the millions of normal Americans who have been left behind by an elite consensus and a ruling class that not only doesn't care about them, but actually often actively hates and disdains them um, and, you know, sees them as sort of this nuisance that's in the way of their sort of broader transformative goals. Um, those are the people that I think we should be fighting for. Those are our people. Uh, and I think that those are people are not necessarily represented by like crazy, whatever, like fascists on Twitter who I, frankly, like, A, I, I, I don't like them because I'm not a fascist. Um, and B, I just also don't really care what they think because I don't actually think they represent like a constituency. Same here. Oh, so, that, that's good. That's going to get for those of us. For, <laughs> right. But the point is like, I don't care, you know, because like it doesn't, they don't, they don't matter to me. I don't think they matter mm. to most Americans. But, but, uh, what, but what do you mean to I'm tell a, me yeah. that racist with anime profiles don't matter to you? Yeah. No, but what does matter sometimes is the thread that some Twitter anon may make where they talk about, for example, uh, the great. The, I love, oh, I, uh, I love yeah. my anime. We love our anime. Yes, yes, people indeed. And break the rules. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, I think that oh, to counter a bit of what you were saying, I know we're kind of uh, ending this right now, but just to counter real quick, I would say that there are the rare threads. Well, not rare, but there are threads out there from Twitter anons talking about, let's say, Klaus Schwab and the Great Reset, and they have very detailed messages. And I'm not saying that other people who are more mainstream don't do it, but it seems like it's sure, the yeah. most active and, within these and circles. When, and when there's when there's worthwhile stuff there, like we should take it seriously, you know, like yeah, but we should take it seriously. To me, with the end goal of actually uh, saving America, right, um, as a substantive material place uh, and a home. Uh, rather than because it sort of subscribes to like a particular ideology that's popular uh, in some sphere sure. and, and 4chan, right? Like, uh, yeah. That's, that's the end goal. For but me. that's also a debate whether the degree to which America can be saved and whether saving... And that is a good debate, but a longer debate, I think, probably for... Uh, yeah. For we'll need to have again. Yeah. Well, actually, we're going to have that kind of... Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, that is definitely happening. In fact, I could link to it uh, right now if I just uh, reach out here. My, uh, my good friend, my boy, Benjamin Braddock. Yes. Versus a are... bread tuber. No, not bread tuber. Yes, he was a Marine. He was a police officer. He is not a bread tuber. I mean, I know that oh, he's associated. I, I know that he's associated with Vouch, but he actually has a position from what I saw that's very close to it. So I'm talking about uh, right now the uh, stream that's coming up with Counterpoints and Doctor Ben Braddock. So Counterpoints' position, I'd say, is pretty close to your, yours, Nate. Where in a way, I oh. feel my, I feel like I'm an orphan in the sense that online I'm an orphan. In real life, I'm not an orphan because I think a lot of people have a similar common sense approach that we have but a lot of people are aligned 
since i i don't know exactly why i would say just because it's very popular to be contrarian it's very easy to just go off the deep end into the fringes if you don't have anybody countering whatever it is that you're saying well i know so, the counterpoints has had uh, destiny on yeah we should have destiny on he comes cheap now so, no, no destiny uh, i think destiny's coming no, they got uh, banned from twitch <laughs> yeah no but anyway no, Gio, i, that. That was no, but I know bullshit. i know both uh i know both they don't like destiny that was fucking bullshit. Yeah. That yeah. was an inside job by that one. Now I'm not going to name names in case we, we got to. Okay, well we got to get back onto the topic to finish this thing. And once again, Nate, Alex, thank you so much. So just the last thing that I'd My say pleasure. is, yeah. as like I said before, getting the people who are within the inside to speak to the people who are in these outsides who can elaborate more. Because I think a lot of people who are you know salt of the earth Americans. I don't even know if they have time or as much curiosity and interest to dissect exactly what is going on, who are the power players, and unfortunately there are still a lot of people on the inside who choose to not even think about Klaus Schwab and so on and so forth. It's just like out of their periphery. They'd rather go to the parties and associate with the people they associate with and just, you know, go on a nice, clean, smooth ride towards whatever other one, political one appointment question. they have. But one last question really quickly. Do you think that there will be a new crop of younger GOP politicians that probably will, quote unquote, listen to the frogs? I know, Alex, you, uh, well, this is to Nate and Alex, but Alex, you recently interviewed, um, what's his name, Blake Masters? He, yeah. Is he running or what? what is his? Uh... Yeah, yeah, he's running in, in Arizona. Um, yeah, and um, I mean, not sure exactly what, what his chances are, but he's definitely very based. <laughs> well, that is and, a very yeah, alpha Blake's name. Blake's great. And I've, I've, I've written, I've written a piece about him and chatted with him a little bit as well. Um, nice. But again, nice. like, I don't think, I don't think he's listening to the frogs and I don't yes. think he should. Right. Like, and you don't have to, you know, listen to the well, frogs. To be I disagree. <laughs> no, hmm. but I think that he is open, for example, his video to, um, oh God, <laughs> this is ancient history in the internet. Uh, Shuan had where he is open to countering sort of the usual mainstream like neocon pro like market fundamentalist ideas yeah I think that's but, but, positive. but you don't again like you don't have to be like a racist or like a groiper or whatever to yeah. be against those things i can i can flip uh, this harms your chances electorally yeah. if you look at the re no 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 wait, wait, hold on nate i would actually flip what you said around not yeah. to argue against it but to look at it from a different point of view where i think a lot of the groipers and the frogs they may actually get a lot of benefit out of having a similar break the rules type of conversation with people who are like Blake Masters, where a lot of their bullshit can be finally confronted, and at the same time, a lot of the things they're bringing up, which are relevant to what's going on in society those are things that would actually i think make them not feel so alone not make them feel like they are in this bubble that oh nobody understands us and you know fuck you dad you don't get it you know like there has to be a breaking up of that bubble and i think break the rules is one of the engines of uh doing that but anyway on to the super chats this is gonna be real quick uh abc we should actually teach kids retention okay so this is different what, from like the... see that's just a creepier yeah like that's just as a creepy right wing thing to teach them about semen retention what the fuck yeah no wait until oh. wait until they're older and then if they want to get into some tantric uh, practices whatever you don't have to like frame it as teaching kids semen retention you just have to frame it as teaching children from an early age the benefits of being within a loving and uh, monogamous relationship you don't have to yeah. teach them just fyi 
I got a I got a hard out Ooh. of two ten. So Ooh, okay. all right, yeah, re- real quick. Okay, another one from ABC. I may be quote unquote very online, but you're very. Uh, see whatever. I don't only, I don't want to say you get the idea. These people yeah. are anyway. ABC. I, uh, 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 okay, I may be very online, but I'm also very swole. Wrecked. Okay, next one. Massive. He has to post physique. Good for, him. Good for him. Yeah, massive McGee. Two pounds. Poundland. Uh, be, uh, what the fuck is he even talking about? Poundland Ben Shapiro. What did he say? Oh uh, yeah, bl- blown out back. I don't know. And thank you. One ninety nine. <laughs> nothing to say over there. Uh, so again, <laughs> Nate. <laughs> if we want to, if we want to get a lot of these people out of their bubble, they have to have intelligent people who are going to be speaking with them and not just push them aside. Because the more they're pushed aside, the more they're ignored, the larger this thing is going to grow. Oh, I, with, with Shapiro. I know Abby Shapiro. Her back is pretty much. Oh, Lord Geo, uh, be nice. Never, okay. Never, uh, yeah. The, so the it depends on it depends on who these people are, right? Like again, I I think these people, you know, the people who are like the actual outsiders that we should be speaking to are like, you know, moms and dads in middle America, right? Yeah. Not twenty uh, three year olds in their basement with Pepe. No, I don't mean speaking to as in uh, getting their points and uh, thinking that their points are all great. I mean, again, just to emphasize, I mean not speaking to but speaking with being able to have somebody within their sphere that they could speak to who understands all the you know the great reset bullshit cultural marxism whatever all that stuff and as well as cultural questions as well as wanting to live in the society where the people who are your neighbors the people that are yeah. around you you trust them and so on and so forth these are very important things and i think so many people today they don't have anybody except for this narrow circle to speak with about these things and that's what i want to change I totally agree, and I'm I'm all for that project. There so we go. So I that, oh, wait, think... Nate's got to go. So oh, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is yeah. it. Okay, Nate, Alex, thank you guys so much for being here. That was fun, uh, guys. Thank you. Thank take you. care. And great. yes, right. yes. Well, and, and with that, I want to ask everybody who is watching: be sure to subscribe. Patreon.com/slash/BreakTheRules. You know what? You love it. Become a patron today, and you will not regret it. I am ending the stream right now. Oh, uh, any any um, plugs? Oh, yeah. Who are you going to interview, Alex, next? And uh, so first of all, next one, uh, Kofefe Anon is coming out tomorrow. Oh, my God, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's going to be a fucking bloodbath. Oh it's really good. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Spicy, but very good. Excellent. All right. <laughs> and Nate, anything to plug as well? Uh, at NJ Hawkman on Twitter. Be nice. <laughs> There we and go. Go to my Substack. Go to my Telegram for a spicier two rants. I got it. But my Substack series is going strong. I'm gonna have to interrupt it for the Ayala article, and uh, also YouTube stuff. I'm going to make the laid back Saturday streams a regular thing. So there you nice. go. Nice. And go to Subversive. Go to Nate's uh, Twitter. Go to his National Review Pro. You have how many articles do you have in National Review? Gajillions. Okay. There you I go. don't know exactly. A lot. There we are. All right.